Bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up Welcome and back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast. Beer from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. The Bills win today, 24-21. to Jacksonville with the last-second desperation touchdown. I'm Lars. Suge is in Rochester. Cassie's in Rome. Jeff and Bill were both at the game. And maybe later on we'll hear from an extra special guest. But for now, it's just me. It'll be just like the Sal Capaccio uh, Monday show. This is about you, the guests. I'm putting on you, the guests, to give me content. Well, in this case, the guests will be all of the Bills and Beers crew that aren't presently with us. What a fun game. Things got crazy at the end of the third. Great-looking day for Josh Allen. We're going to touch on all of it, I am sure. Find us on the Internet. Just search for Bills and Beers. Subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. And tell everybody in Bills Nation how you found this podcast. And if you're going to do... Some online betting and want 50% off your first deposit over at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code BEERS. We're not going to waste any more time now. See who we can get here on the line and dive right into this mostly fun win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Come on, come on. Come on and shout. Well, he spent the day in Rochester, but he was in front of the television watching these Buffalo Bills. Now he's trying to fly home. I didn't realize there was an airport in Rochester, Sujit, but he's the president of the Bills backers of Chicago. It's Sujit. Hello, 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 all. It's been, uh, it's been a, I was here for my 20th year reunion uh, from high school. Wow. And so that was, that was a good time. It was actually our 22nd year reunion because none of us could get our act together to actually plan our 20th year reunion. Uh, but what a game, what a game, what a game, man. Like it was actually exciting to hear from Jeff and Bill talking about how the stadium was losing their mind. And when they had that delay of game penalty, uh, I, uh, I, it just, it, it, it echoed everything that those guys were saying. That sounds like the, the Ralph was rocking and then that's, uh, it's, it's exciting to hear. And so that's definitely uh, are we are we ready to do this? Are we ready to talk about who we love and who we don't? Well, there is plenty to talk about what we love today, but we'll get to that in a second. I want to start first, though, with your Jenny Cremel bummer of today's contest. Yeah, so a lot of stuff to not be a lot of stuff to be happy about, right? We came out with a win, um, but I'm going to continue to just give this to our offensive line. Mm. Uh, our quarterback should not be the only person who almost had a. A hundred year. He did. He did have a hundred yard yards today. He had a hundred yards. Like, well, no, 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 but but he was like ninety five, right? No, like, he had a hundred. Like, he had a hundred one. Okay, so spectacular app. You need to get your shit together because <laughs> you're not updated. Unless so. unless they um, you know what they might have done? They made it give him negative rushing yards for the kneel downs. Oh yeah, that sucks. But anyways, the point is that like that's not that shouldn't be the case. Like because that's not a maybe 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 like some of those designed runs are based on the line's talent. But man, do you remember we had that we had Josh Allen made a pass to some big bodied receiver that was going on a slant route towards the outside, and then we got Russell Bodine with uh oh no sorry it was John Miller with a holding call that put us to third and fifteen, and then Josh Allen threw a dart and converted a third and 15 and then we got russell godin with the illegal hands of the fate so we were there at third and 25 like you know yeah. you got a young quarterback you can't and, you can't and, sabotage him and right? also get, out of out of field goal range too we were knocking on the door of, of yes. and, and it pushed him way way back out of where it was no longer an option i'm going to echo that because 
the offensive line was bad, and so were in some parts of the game the receivers. And we'll get to the second part of this. Everyone that wasn't Josh Allen and LaShawn McCoy on this offense deserves such a training. Exactly. So we'll talk about everybody not named Josh Allen in a bit, but that pass that he had to Deontay Thompson that went right through his hands, that was a a 40-yard laser that hit him right in the hands. And they... The broadcast was making a big deal about the defender knocking it out. I saw a guy who just had soft hands and let it go right through him. Yeah, and, you know, here's the thing. Get over it. You now have, you know, a Joe Marino. You now have a John Elway throwing the ball. Get used to throwing, get catching hard passes, right? Yeah. Like, that's the way he's going to throw the ball, and that's the way we want him to throw the ball. So just get over it, right? Like, you just you need to be able to catch those balls. So the defense today was a little too cold than hot for me to name anybody there, the Bat Blue MVP. So I'm going to give it, Suge. I'm going to give it to Josh Allen because— Are you? Okay, interesting. And I tweeted this out during the game. The one thing that we saw for sure today that apparently he learned in the last six weeks being injured was he was making decisions whether or not to run or to pass the ball. He was deciding, like, in the rhythm of the play. There was no yes. times today when he was dropping back where we were sitting here going, he just throw looked it, lost. Throw it, throw it. He what never are you doing? Lost. No, he he looked in control, either like drop back, wait, 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 pass, and it, it seemed to be on rhythm, or it was something's going to open up and a run. So he scampers for 45 yards, scampers for seven, and, and I had no problem with his decisions to run today. I think at least no. one of them was a design run. The naked boot, I don't know if that was a design run or not, but he ran effectively when he had to. But he also got the ball out on time. Now, he, his receivers didn't do him any help. Having those two first downs taken off the board didn't, didn't help today. But, I mean, even like, the, even like the Hail Mary play, he gave his guys a shot. I mean, he, he looked really sharp today. I mean, he had almost— he looked, he looked like a person who has grown, right? He did not look like the Josh Allen. And, and no, I mean, Jaguars suck, right? But Jaguars' defense isn't so bad, right? I don't know this for sure. I, I haven't looked in the— the stats and all that other stuff, but so, I mean, I think that they're, let me, let's they're just touch on that. So the Jaguars have now lost seven in a row. Their defense right. started really hot. They've been kind of like up and down since they were. They had shut out the the Steelers last week until like the second half of the fourth quarter. So they're not they're they're a very streaky defense, but they are not a bad defense. They are a very right. ta- very talented defense. They may have made Especially a couple a mistakes good today. Secondary, right? Like a decent secondary, and so. I, so, I, I only you know, say that to say we cannot chalk up the way that Josh Allen looked today as right, a result right. to, to of a bad defense. To, correct. Right. No, that is not the That's case. That's what I was wondering. That's what I was wondering. So, so I think that I mean I was uh, yeah I was incredibly impressed with Josh Allen today. I thought that he made his he just showed a different level of development. And like that was what we thought, right? Like we thought that like oh yeah he he, he had progress from week one to week two against Minnesota or whatever. And then there was just this stall and you're like, Oh no, he doesn't get it. He can't see it. And he probably couldn't at that point because things were moving too fast. But like, like we said, the time away from behind underneath center was good for him. And he saw things that he never otherwise would have seen because he was rolling out. And then when he rolled out, he didn't know, he didn't have nowhere to go. Like he would sometimes run, but he'd also occasionally throw a 15 yard dart. Right. And yeah, so how, it was let's, just let's talk about the touchdown pass to Robert Foster. That's I mean, that's a pass that I mean, maybe two other guys in the present NFL can make. Yeah. That, and that may, it was like 
there was there was it's almost like Looney Tunes, right? Where like there was just this giant cloud right. of defenders falling on top of the quarterback, and then outside of the the the, the dust cloud, this bullet football just like was released, and and it wasn't like oh he got hit and it's like this Aaron throw. It was arguably like maybe two yards off of where it perfectly needed to be, and it was plenty for our receiver to actually make an adjustment. But it was a laser in a completely clouded pocket. As it wasn't just like this throw-up prayer. It was just this, just this beautiful, beautiful like sixty-yard pass or fifty-yard pass in the air. But I think it was like from the twenty to the thirty. Like yeah. it was just ridiculous. Yeah. And and that was wild getting hit and in a collapsing pocket. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't get spooked by the collapsing pocket. He threw the ball. That's right. And so like, how exciting is that? Like, you know, it's funny. I've been listening to a lot of our losses on when we when I listen to the podcast again, and then it keeps um, defaulting to the Minnesota podcast that we did, where it's like, oh, we're depressed, 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 and then suddenly it's like this, like, oh my god, what a great team this <laughs> because like, like, like iTunes just starts playing like the old Minnesota podcast that we did. But I don't want to get too excited about this, right? But it is a different situation, right? The, the it, offense it, is a little bit better. The offense has played together. The line has played together. The receivers have gotten to know. But now they have a new quarterback that is not the quarterback they played with before. But there's there's positive outcomes. We were like, okay, is it all just Matt Barkley? I, I don't think so. I think that this might be a better offense. And now we have someone that can actually throw some ridiculous passes. He's going to throw some boneheaded passes and miss some passes that Matt Barkley could have. But that's what we wanted, right? Like I actually, when 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 we lost our fourteen point lead because the defense got ran over the entire second quarter, I was like, I don't really care. I actually don't care if we lose this game. I just want to keep seeing progress from Josh Allen, and that's what we saw. Even when the the offense was stalling, it wasn't necessarily his fault, and it was just it was just it's it's really exciting to see. That's all I want to see for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I'll just you know, and again, I'll just repeat it as far as that Robert touchdown or Robert Foster touchdown goes. That's that's a throw that may, maybe Cam Newton, maybe Big Ben can make, maybe Carson Wentz on a good day. But that th- he can do things out there, and that's what we've been hearing about, you know, since last January. This kid can do things with the football that not many people can do. Who was your yeah. Who was your Labatt Blue MVP? I'm going old school, baby. I'm going old school. I'm going Kyle Williams. All right, that was a man possessed today, like. Big Tuna, whatever you want to call him, I don't care. I think Big Tuna is someone else, but uh, Meatball Pork Chop, that we'll call him. I don't know. The man, the man was on a mission. When 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 shit hit the fan and there was that big fight afterwards, Kyle Williams was suddenly like Kyle Williams for five years ago, where he was just cutting through that offensive line and sitting there like behind, you know. And so then and then him and Jerry Hughes started playing off of each other, where there was like, you know. One of them would penetrate, and the other one would do like a, um, a, a stunt around. And like, if you got away from one, you didn't get away from the other. Like him and Jerry Hughes were doing some really incredible things, like playing off of each other. And so, um, you know, Cassie's sitting there drinking wine and eating pizza in Rome right now. But uh, but there's no complaining about Jerry Hughes, and there's no complaining about Kyle Williams. And and what it made me realize is that, that dude, we can't lose anyone for this defense. This defense is unbelievable. Like, yes, they they lost their shit in the second quarter, but then they came back and just played lights out, and they got motivated. And, 
Like, I don't want to get rid of Teron Johnson. I don't want to get rid of, you know, a bunch of these people. Um, even the people that are like role players, like they're, this is a great, great, great defense. And we have to hold it together while we spend our money on offense. But, um, I mean, including Kyle Williams, I know he's probably going to retire, but like the man still has value. Like he changed the defensive front today, you know, and, and, and he's as old as he is and he's, yeah, I just can't, I can't say enough. So the good news is about the defense, we don't have to do anything to keep them together because they are all staying together, with the exception of Lorenzo Alexander, who who also never ceases to amaze me, by the way. Yep, uh, yep. So you, you can call him a role player or whatever. He's not. He is a linchpin of this defense, and if he's not back next year, he is going to be a hard guy to replace. But virtually everybody else on that defense is coming back. That's the good news. What were you I don't dr- feel like he's ready to go. I don't feel like he's ready to go. So oh, what was I drinking? Yeah, My what were you goodness. drinking out there in, in Rochester? All right, today? so I was at the distillery uh, in Rochester, New York, which is uh, just a chain here, but they have arguably the best wings I've ever had in my entire life. Like, I'll put them up against anywhere. Wings? Um, yeah, they have amazing, amazing, amazing wings. Um, they also, you would be proud, they have an incredible t- uh, craft brew list. Um, and so I started off the day, believe it or not, Lars, with – Dogfish had 120 minute on oh, tap. Okay. Which which is 10 to 15 percent alcohol. Yep. Oh no, sorry. I'm sorry. 15 to 20 percent. Yep. Uh, alcohol volume. So uh, so that's how the day started. And then uh, had a bunch of I had an interesting flight of, of all Rochester local beers, including like Southern Tier, which is like an upstate New York beer yeah. or downstate New York. I can't remember where. Finger Lakes. Um, right. I had. Um, something young IPA, young something, uh, young brewery. It was just, it was, it was a, a spattering. Um, and it was great. It was a bunch of local stuff. And, uh, yeah. So here I am in the Rochester airport, which is adorable, adorable. Like, I mean, you get through security in like 15 minutes on Thanksgiving weekend and just love it. I, I, it's not O'Hare. Uh, however, there is a massive snowstorm expecting in Chicago. So there's very not, good possibilities that i'm actually going to make it out of rochester so well, i may be spending another night here yeah fingers crossed and at the very least we'll see you at the bar on sunday no i'm gone again oh s- no, no no i'm finally back in town next week i'm finally back in town it's been since october 10th but i'm finally back in town I are you serious you eye. haven't been you haven't been at the bar since october 10th nope wow nope, i have not been home so i uh i i take the red eye actually next weekend uh and i will arrive Sunday morning at right. 6 a.m. Well, so we'll, I will be there. We'll have your My wife is not very happy with me, but all right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, cheers to all the guys and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Get home safe. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Bye bye. Well, that sound means it's time for Tacos Calientes, Arriba. It's just me. It's just me. Sorry for the for the lo-fi production value here. But uh, all the way from Orchard Park, New York, he's back home. He's he's an at-home boss today. It's Jammin' Jeff Day with his tacos calientes. What's up, buddy? What a game! I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to listen to this um, solo Lars-led podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's gonna be something. I'll tell you that much. I can't wait. This is what this is the moment you've been waiting for to really. Uh, <laughs> to really start with the production. It'll yeah. be great. Yeah, that's right. It's my time to shine, baby. That's right. Well, uh, out here at Orchard Park, this is my this was the uh, one and only game I'll be going to this season, and, and I'm happy to say I think we picked a good one. Um, 
it was been to a lot of Bills games over the years, and uh, this is this certainly ranks up there just in terms of sort of the amount of fun that I had at the stadium and the and the electricity that was running through the stadium, particularly after the uh, the skirmish and through the through the duration of the game. So it was a fun one to be at um, for a lot of reasons. Josh Allen's return, the fight, the win. Um, uh, it was just a, it was a great thing that I'm happy to, to talk, of course, more about. But that was my opening thoughts. It's just what a, what a great victory. Yeah, it was great. watching it. Hey, uh, I did join and watch it, and let me just uh, you know, I'll go one step further. I'm not going to make it to a Bills game yet this year, but I am going to be at a Sabres game on December 22nd, and they, mm. they've now won 43 in a row, you know, with 78 of those coming in overtime. UB basketball is ranked nationally. UB football just set a school record for most wins in a season. It's a pretty good, pretty good time to be a Buffalo sports fan, I, I got to say. Step aside, Boston. <laughs> it's, it's it's Buffalo now, baby. Yes. It is, and it's funny. I mean, I've only um, you know I've been back for the Thanksgiving holiday and been in town for a few days, and uh, you know you can feel it a little bit. I mean, especially uh, especially on the Sabers front. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people you know talking about it. And look at the Sabers. Not that this is a Sabers podcast, but the Sabers have bottomed out. Um, for a few years in a row, and as a result, have two of the best young players in the league and, you know, are starting to reap some of the rewards from what I hear. I know, Lars, you've been following them closer than I have. I have. I've actually been. So you, you watch any games or anything while you've been in Buffalo? I did not. I have not watched any of the Sabres games. No. Okay. no I would all, have loved to have gone to one, but no. No, it's all good. No, I caught them because they were finally a national broadcast the other night, but I've been just listening to them on the WGR app because this was the year that I picked to follow the Sabres, and I got to say, mm. good choice. But as you said, not a Sabres podcast. Uh, we are here to talk about the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> and you were in attendance today for the for the 180-minute shit show that was the Walt Coleman-led uh, officiating crew. So just just start wherever you want, but at some point you got to walk us through what that was like from the stands. Yeah, I mean, I thought I would take today's uh, short segment that I'm on to just maybe give a few insights of things um, from the stadium point of view because um, there were certainly a few things to comment on today. Uh, much of which I was participating in, which was fun. Um, the first of the first, um, and let me uh, first. I was also at the game with my two, with my uh, eight and five year old niece and nephew. So they they learned a few new words today from the crowd. Fantastic. Needless to say, um, but uh, no, there was a few moments in the game that were were fun to be there live. Um, and, and I'll start with, I'll start with Josh Allen. Please. And we've seen it on TV. Um, a number of times, but being there in the stadium where you get to sort of follow a player um, longer, of course, than the cameras do. One of my favorite moments of the game was after Josh Allen's running touchdown, which by the way, right. was quite a run <laughs> yeah. um, after his running touchdown to put us up 14, nothing. He proceeded with, you know, he had his little touchdown celebration in the end zone, had his swagger put on his, you know, sort of like tough face, whatever he was doing. And then proceeded to just go along the sideline, hop up on the bench. I don't know if they showed this on TV or not. Hop up on the Bills bench and just get the crowd fired up. And I loved and the crowd loved every second of it. Hell yeah. It was so wonderful to see. I mean, that's the and that is the you know, we just love it. We all you know, you hear it in the crowd. People we all hoping that Josh Allen works out for a couple of reasons, of course, but 
among them because God, Buffalo will embrace him. Yes. I mean, the toughness that he runs with, the type of player that he is, the attitude that he has, we so desperately want him to work out because he is perfect for the city and the community. And the crowd was behind him from the get-go, and he was fired up. He was very fired up, and it was great to see that. Um, well, so back to so I gave um, I gave him my Labatt Blue MVP. Just talked to Suge about this a little bit. His pass to Robert Foster. Mm. Please walk us through what kind of atmosphere that created. The best part about the pass to Walt, to uh, Foster was also um, the fact that he stood in the pocket. Yes. It was actually it was actually that was the best part of it is he stood in the pocket. There was a lot of chaos near him and he took a hit. He had a couple of guys near him and he still delivered that ball. And the atmosphere was, <laughs> it was, it was electric. It was almost a little bit of shock to be quite I honest. Was gonna say, right? Stunned. I mean, yeah. It was just, it was stunned excitement of uh, all of a sudden we're up 14, nothing. We just threw a 75 yard touchdown, beautiful touchdown pass um, to Robert Foster. And it was, it was a, it was, yeah, it was a sense of stunned excitement. Um, but, but also it felt like a potential, you know, I think a potential defining moment for for a young career. Um, you know, that's sort of a, a pass that we've been waiting for. You know, a long completed pass that was beautiful. It was a beautiful pass. It was a beautiful catch. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, that speed that we've talked about was on full display today. Foster came down with you know probably had close to 100 yards on two catches and and uh, and McKenzie. You know, again, I want to continue to actually see him being used. Um, but you know, that was an electric atmosphere. Um, and then, of course, what really changed the game, both in terms of the actual outcome of the game as well as the electricity of the stadium, was the sequence that began with the long throw down the sideline. Beautiful catch, actually, by the Jaguars receiver that led to the fight, which I'll talk about in a second, which led to the Jaguars being first in goal from the one-yard line mm -hmm. and walking away with zero points and an ejected running back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you put it that way. But that was that was a game. That was one of the more fun environments I've been in. The, and I don't know how much of it they showed on TV, but one of the great things was as after, um, after the Walt Coleman debacle that was the 65-minute football game. After that, but in that moment, after they announced the ejections of Shaq Lawson and and and, and Fournette. They walked them, if you can imagine this in your mind, to you and to the listeners, both of the players walking at the same pace with their little entourages from each sideline to the end zone tunnel. Yeah. And everybody watching this because it felt <laughs> like something more was on the brim of happening. And as they turn the corner and they're facing each other, and at this point, the crowd's all over Fournette. People are, you know, of course, giving him the finger. He's reacting to the crowd, all that stuff. As they turn the corner and face each other, it is clear that Shaq Lawson is not ready for this skirmish to end. And he has to be held back by, you know, the Bills coaching staff. He's mouthing off and blah, 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 blah. They have to send him into the tunnel first and then clearly went a little bit out of my view. But you could tell by the reaction of all of the staff, the cameramen, this fight continued into the tunnel where Shaq, where Shaq Lawson wanted to murder Leonard Fournette. Yes. Well, and I cannot wait till more video emerges. Well, no, Jeff, incredibly, they kept showing it on the broadcast. Love it. And they kept cutting to it. And it was the crazy part was it was it was a guy in Leonard Fournette's 
entourage who was like egging on Shaq Lawson, but Shaq Lawson mm. had to be restrained by like four grown men. Restrained, yes, restrained. And then, of course, when play resumes, it's first and goal from the half-yard line, and the Bills not only don't allow them to score a touchdown, but they don't allow them to score any points. And the environment was electric after that. Everybody stood for the remainder of the game. There was no more sitting down. I've never quite seen anything like it for a team that was three, that's three and seven. <laughs> so the, everyone stood up for the remainder of the game, and it was like, you know, it, was, it felt like, uh, okay, now we're here to, you know, the score doesn't matter, the season doesn't matter. This is, a, this is a, you know, mano y mano, who's going to win this game? That's what it felt like. Um, a lot of followed by a sequence throughout the rest of the game of Ramsey sucks chance, nice. which was one of my personal favorite of which my eight year old nephew was very confused why I kept saying the bad word. Yeah, right. That's a bad one. Um, but, uh, but no, nonetheless, uh, that was a fun, that was a fun sequence of events to, uh, to be at. And, you know, my, certainly my Labatt blue MVP player of the game goes to none other than, Blake Bortles. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, he is unbelievably bad. It, it, it's I don't. They just extended him. They gave him like a four or five year extension this year. Don't get it. He's terrible. Don't get it. He's awful. And it was fun. You know, the the of course we were getting gashed in the run for a bit, but you know Hughes and Williams and the rest of this crew when 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 we, when he was passing, I mean, it felt like we were going to sack him every time. That's yeah. what it felt like. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, they lost a couple key guys on their offensive line, too, so we were just attacking them all day. So a really fun game to be at. I think, um, you know, Josh, it was just fun to, to, to watch. It was fun to have a long ball completed. Um, it was an exciting game, and, uh, and yeah, it was, just, it was just a fun one to be at. Awesome, man. Well, uh, safe trip back to Austin, and we'll be in touch again next Sunday. Can't wait. Until, uh, it's, uh, until then. Go Bills. Go Bills. Well, we said we might have an extra special guest today, and we do. It's our very good friend, Drew, from the Rock Pile Report podcast, who had a good view of the game from the cheap seats, kind of, although we hear that he was uh, in the concourse whenever anything exciting happened today. But, Drew, give us, give us the high and low of what you saw and felt in the stadium today. Oh my God! Okay, so first and foremost, what I saw, I saw a whole lot. Of, I saw a lack of Jaguars jerseys, which was nice. Being a Bills home game, I'm surprised there were so few away fans. Although it is, it's a long way from Jacksonville. Here's what I also saw from the stands. I saw when I watched this team, the defense in the first half. I don't know why, but we played the pass. It's like we were determined to stop a, a non-throwing quarterback from throwing passes. We did a great job allowing 175 yards rushing. And then in the second half, that was the halftime adjustment. They took the run away. It was incredible. It the, certainly was. The way was. they played in that second half. And then Le 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 Leonard Fournette got himself ejected from the game for punching a man wearing a helmet. And then it was once we scored the touchdown, I knew that was game over. They weren't going to do anything after that. Well, I'll say this. Every time something good happened, I I was either in the I was either in their bathroom or buying a beer, but but Chris, my uh, producer, he was in the stands. He saw the whole thing, and my wife was texting me. So I'm at the urinal, and I have my phone in my hand texting my wife because you know that's who you text when you're going to the bathroom. Yep. And she's texting me, and all of a sudden she goes, "Oh my God, huge brawl! 
oh my god here's and she's trying to take a very shaky hand camera video of just what looks like a fracas on the field and then she texts me a few minutes later and goes you know why are they letting them leave the field at the same time they're gonna fight in the tunnel yep that's exactly <laughs> what happened and then a few minutes later she's like oh my god they're fighting in the tunnel the whole time i'm standing at the urinal so i gotta like, ask what am i missing what, was it was it hard to distinguish between the actual fracas and then the rest of the game officiated by Walt Coleman today? Oh my God, this game was one of the worst. I, I I received no fewer than fourteen different text messages from people who don't even not even non podcast related, just people I know who like football, including my father who doesn't watch whole Bills games. He doesn't. Just, I mean, he lived through the he lived through the four Super Bowls. He lived through the drought, and now he he has to take the Bills with a grain of salt. Of so he doesn't routinely sit down and watch full Bills games. With that said, my father was texting me and said everyone associated with this game should be essentially thrown into Guantanamo Bay. He said they should be they should be tried for crimes against football, which is a line I love to use. Yeah, it was a good line. I I gotta say it was brutal to watch, and it was especially in the in the first half when they had rallied back from fourteen nothing and were scoring touchdowns, and we were giving away first downs and giving them first downs. It was really really tough to watch. What about the drive where the first somehow they didn't score, but on the like their first their first three plays. A holding call. Yeah. Oh, an offsides call. Oh, wow, that's pass interference. It's like, wait, what, what? Are we just flagging them down the field? Is that what we're doing? Because if so, just give them a touchdown. And somehow our defense found a way to hang tough and just overcome what is a really terrible offense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Blake Bortles is bad. He's a bad quarterback. Oh, he had 31 yards passing in the first half, and somehow we were tied. I was like, this is what we get. This is what we get for being conservative. But you know what we got? We got the win, baby. We got the win. And, I, I mean, I'll, honestly, the, the moment of the game for me personally, from the chief seats, you want the, the moment of the game? I was, I was complaining about conservative offensive play calling. <laughs> I heard a roar, and I turned around and realized that Josh Allen was running like a gazelle down the right sideline. First Buffalo Bills quarterback <laughs> to have more than 100 yards rushing. Set the franchise record today. How does that feel? I, I don't even know what to make of that. <laughs> know, <right? laughs> it's shocking. Lars, we love you. Go Bills. Hey, right back at you, baby. We'll be t tuning in soon. Where can people find you and your podcast? You can find us at Rockpile Report and rockpilereport.podbean.com. Highly recommend. Keep both eyes on the road, baby, and we'll talk to you soon. Will do. Later. Well, that'll do it for today's podcast. A fun win, an emotional win in Buffalo today at 4-7 and seven now. Playoffs probably still out of out of sight. Special thanks to our special guest, uh, Rock Power Report, for being with us. No wild card, obviously, since the crew's not here. Hope everybody gets back to Chicago in one piece. Until we speak again. Oh, uh, Henrik, 17-month-old son, as of today, almost just unplugged my microphone, but he did not. So we're going to get out of this podcast while we're still in one piece. Go Bills. Bills make me wanna Shout.